0: Welcome you tonight to our evening service of worship in the house of the Lord. It's a joy to be able to be here and to see so many gathered in. We're starting with number 334. 334, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and unclean. Let's stand, please, as we worship. And that's good singing and praise of the Lord tonight as we lift our song of thanksgiving. And we will all say that we do stand amazed in the presence of our Lord. And why so? Because he has had mercy so great on sinners so unworthy that we have been lifted up from the depth of our transgression and sin set upon the rock of our salvation. And we know Tonight, we have assurance and joy and peace in our heart that it is well, it is well with our soul, and that gives us joy and thanksgiving in him. Let's come to pray. Father, tonight, as we gather once more into the house of prayer, this place of worship and thanksgiving and praise, we do so with thankful hearts. And we ask, Lord, at the very beginning of our meeting, that we would be very aware of the Holy Spirit's help in our service. We're asking, Lord, to direct our thinking, help us in our worship, bless us as we hear the word of God and write its truth upon every heart. Lord, we know there are so many Influences that would try to come into our lives, our minds. Influence of the world, the devil with his temptations, so many other distractions. And we pray, dear Father, that we will walk in the center of the will of our God. That we will glorify, Lord, your holy and great name in every single step that we are given to take. Lord, we do not know how much time any one of us has left. Our times, though we are certain and sure, are in the hands of our sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful God. And Lord, we are thankful and happy to rest in that place. And we give every detail of our lives, Lord, and we pray that we will no direction and help and blessing. Father, do not allow us to be sidetracked. Do not allow us, Lord, we pray, to wander off according to our own designs. Rather, we will always be brought to submit our minds and hearts, our wills, our motive, our intention, all of our actions according to the leading of the Spirit through the Word of God. We pray that we would know more of our Savior, that we would see Him revealed in the Scriptures. We thought this morning, Lord, of the disciples and how glad they were when they saw the Lord. And, Father, we can testify also that as we come alone in the Word and we read and meditate, and when the Spirit reveals the wonders of our Savior, our hearts are glad. We are filled with thanksgiving. Lord, we pray that that fellowship and communion would grow and blossom and increase more and more in every life. Bless our congregation. Bless every believer connected with this body of believers And Lord, we pray that as a unit, as a church together, we will be a witness, we will be a testimony, we'll be those, Lord, who are empowered to speak well for Christ. Lord, lead us, we pray, to souls that need the Savior and help us, enable us to speak a word for the Master and point people to the only remedy for their sin. Remember, Lord, today our brother Newell. We pray your hand to be upon him and to heal him. We think of our brother Robinson in Calgary tonight. We pray that you would bless him there in the congregation. We think of brother Fraser in Port Hope. And Lord, we ask for blessing upon his ministry. And Lord, we also are mindful to pray for our brother Cranston, that you would support and strengthen and help him in the time of his weakness. We bring again tonight our sister June Hamilton. and We ask, Lord, that she would know comfort and healing in her own life, in her body. We would bless Brother Hamilton in a ministry that he continues to have in Lehigh Valley And Lord, that there would be increase and blessing there. Remember, all of our churches, Lord, we all stand in need of the outpouring of your Spirit in mighty revival blessing. And so come and answer our prayer. Lord, bless us now tonight. Be with our brother Simon as he shares a word of testimony, as he declares, Lord, how you have been leading him in his life. And Father, we pray that There would be many others who would sense and know the call of God, the direction and leading of the Spirit. Lord, you would bless and prosper the work that you have called us to do. So hear our prayers tonight. Receive our thanksgiving and our worship and praise. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Number 526. And we will stand again, please, as we sing... I need Thee every hour. singing thoughtfully and prayerfully, and this is the type of hymn that solicits just that response, I need thee every hour, most holy one, make me thine indeed, thou blessed son. We come to seek the Lord for such a blessing on our life, we acknowledge openly that we cannot live our Christian life on our own, we dare not step out on our own power, We can't do this apart from the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ every single moment with us. And therefore, this is a good prayer. It's one to mark your daily devotions. And as you begin seeking the Lord, say, "Ah, Father, I, I need the Spirit near me. I need the Savior to come and comfort my heart. I need that guidance and direction that is not of myself but is of the Lord. Let's sing this final verse. turn in your Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we were reading in this portion this morning in our congregational time, and we're going to continue, this time reading at verse 49, down to the end of this mountain peak of the Word of God. It is a very encouraging portion of God's holy truth. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That closing verse of chapter 15 has found itself on many notes, many emails, cards, and texts whereby to give encouragement to God's people in the time of their need. The encouragement to go on, the encouragement to press forward, through thick and thin, through hard days and difficult times, because we know that in Christ and serving the Lord we are living in the victory of Calvary. And therefore let us go forward conquering and to conquer, living in the joy of the Lord, knowing this, that our labor, our work, our service for the Master is not in vain. It's not empty. It is Going to bear fruit unto the Lord forever. Now, the Paul, the Apostle Paul is dealing here in this chapter about the future of the child of God. And that future is directly connected with the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Because the Lord rose from the grave, we also, in Christ, unified with him, will rise from the dead as well. And so he goes into some very important detail about how this corruptible body of flesh and blood must divest itself of that corruption. And we will put on incorruption. We will put on immortality. And we indeed shall live forever And the Apostle speaks with great thanksgiving. Verse 51, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He is saying there, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. He is speaking about the time of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. For his second coming. He is speaking about that occasion when Christ will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and those that are dead in Christ, they will rise to be with him. But those who have not died, who are alive on the earth when Jesus comes back, will rise up to meet the Lord in the air. Now that is called, uh, by much terminology, the rapture of the people of God. And we do most heartily accept and embrace that truth of the rapture of God's people to go up to meet Christ. But there is an eschatology today that speaks much about a secret rapture. And that is something that is not evidenced in the New Testament, a secret rapture. When Paul is speaking here about the last trumpet, he is speaking here about the finality of human history when the return of Jesus Christ comes and the Lord will take us who are alive on the earth at that time, will gloriously go up to be with him. And then... And the conclusion of all human history is when the Lord will destroy all his enemies and every one that has raised their voice and their hand against him. And the Lord will destroy the man of sin. He will destroy Antichrist with the spirit of his mouth, with the sword of his mouth, the power that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, his own holy word. And that will be the great conclusion of all human history and the, well, the coming, the establishment, the fulfillment of the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, no wonder that we have reason and cause to be living with victory and living with joy and the anticipation of our service not being empty, not laboring in vain, but to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his own precious word to our hearts tonight. Well, we want to welcome you this evening uh, to our service. We're happy that you're here. And if you're visiting with us for the first time or you've come back to be with us either in person or online, you're very, very welcome, and we trust that God would bless and encourage your heart. Mentioned this morning about our brother Alec Newell, one of our elders. He had hip surgery on Friday, and he came through that surgery successfully and is making some good recovery. We saw a picture of him in a hospital holding a cup of coffee and smiling after the surgery. And uh, well, we were happy to see that, and uh, yet sometimes the next day or the couple of days after that, well, the pain sets in a little bit more, and I'm sure our brother would appreciate our earnest prayers for him. We also pray for Sister June Hamilton, the wife of Reverend Stephen Hamilton from Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, as she did not receive such good news in that sense because the treatment that she'd been receiving from chemotherapy Did not do all that they were hoping it was going to do. And so I know they would greatly appreciate your prayers. They're in the hands of the Lord. And they're content and thankful and trusting in him at this time. After our service tonight, we want to have a meeting of those folks that have a desire to be baptized. And following the Lord in the obedience and following in that command. We're going to be meeting in the counseling room, and uh, it'll be 15 or 20 minutes after the close of the service. You can kind of gather over in that area after you have some time of fellowship. And uh, we will uh, hear, first of all, and just chat with you a bit about what is the plan and how we can go forward with the instructions that are necessary. If the Lord has saved your soul and you have not been baptized or you were baptized in a wrong way before you were saved— and you didn't really know and understand what you are doing, well, it's time to put that right and to follow the Lord in that obedient pathway. And so we'll meet after the service tonight. Please remember, on Tuesday evening is the Ladies' Bible Study at 7 p.m., and that will be on Zoom only. And if you'd like to join in that Bible study, you're very welcome to do that. Wednesday evening, our prayer meeting and our bible study at 7:30 and then our lord's day services with Sunday school at 9:50 and our regular services morning and evening. Let's press on and pray for the upcoming presbytery and prayer times and the from May the 8th to the 12th lots of preparations been going on already, arrangements of meetings and organizing things and we will give you the full details. We do want to think about the Thursday evening of that week. Well, Wednesday night is going to be a congregational meeting for everyone, and we have some special things planned and some special testimonies. And then on the Thursday evening is going to be a congregational international dinner where all are invited and welcome to come, and then we'll have all our visitors here as well. It's going to be an action-packed week, and we're looking forward to the Lord's blessing And please be in prayer, most of all for that. We will be very conscious of the Lord's nearness with us at that time. Let's remember also our times of prayer that we've planned for June 5, 6, and 7 with our baptismal service planned for June the 7th in the evening of that week and our Youth Bible Conference that's coming up in the month of August. Lots of things to keep before the Lord in prayer. And let's not slack off at all in our intercession to the Lord as we are in need of his moving and power to be with us. Number 660, we're going to sing again to the Lord's praise. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's stand as we worship the Lord. Well, it's a joy tonight to have our brother Daniel Simon with us, and he's going to share a word of personal testimony, how he came to know Christ as his Savior, how the Lord has led him in his own life to be here in our ministry with us, and what God has been doing over these past couple of years, leading him forward into a sense of the call of God upon his life. And then when he finishes his testimony, he's going to be sharing with us a devotion from the Lord's Word. And so, brother, we're thankful that you're here tonight. The Lord bless you. Okay.
1: So good evening, everybody. It's a, a blessing and an honor to be here and to share what God's done in my life with all of you. I think to, to really understand the work of God in my life, it's worth looking back And not just a couple years, but a couple generations. You may not know this about my name, but my name is Daniel Siman. The name Siman is an Arabic name, which is Simon. My family is from the Holy Land, and we've been there for thousands of years. So it stands to reason that my family would have been among those same people who walked in Galilee 2,000 years ago, a relative of that Simon Peter we read in the Bible and his life, I find, has a lot to do and is quite similar to the way God's dealt with me in my life. Through generations, the Lord's worked in my family to bring my father to salvation, my grandfather to salvation, and to bring us to this country, where I chose to reject it all. Growing up, I believed that moralism was the way to go. I could figure God out on my own. I thought I understood everything. And for years, I worked and worked and worked to please my parents, to get good grades, and to earn a sense of comfort and stability in my life. What I saw from media, from television, from friends and family was to be successful is to be married, to be wealthy, and to have a great education you can fall back on. Because if all else fails, those things will catch you. And indeed, they caught me. They caught me up, and I lived that way for years. The same way when the Lord found Simon, he was there in a ship fishing and finding nothing. I spent my life looking for something, fishing for some sort of hope or purpose or stability, and found nothing. And it wasn't until June—sorry, July 7th, 2007, the Lord called me. He opened up my eyes to see my need for a Savior. I had spent months looking for him. I tried to go to a church where I got baptized after a week of attending. I thought that would save me, but I went right back to sin. I thought I could fight and fight with the pastor of the church I was at at the time and convince him that I was a Christian without having to submit, without having to trust the Lord, without having to be saved because God would understand me. But it wasn't until the Lord himself took hold of me by the neck and showed me the ground I stood on was shaky, was broken, and was indeed no ground at all. And I needed to be saved. So if there's anybody today Who's in that place today where you think everything's okay? You think you're all right spiritually, but you don't have the Lord. You don't know him. You don't love him. He isn't the fairest of 10,000 to you. I encourage you today, repent and turn to him, for he is able to give you more than you've ever wanted. The same way that Simon had nothing. In that lake, when the Lord showed up, when Jesus stepped into that boat, he withdrew so much that the ship began to sink. And I can say with confidence, that was what happened to me when the Lord saved my soul. There was joy, there was peace, there was comfort and stability with none of those things I thought would have given them to me. I wasn't married, I didn't have a big career, I had no success as this world could be concerned, but I had Jesus. And my ship of my soul was overwhelmed and almost weighed down with the glory and blessing he'd given me. And I wish the story ended there, but it didn't. And neither did Simon's. Simon, over the years, was a zealous man, zealous for the Lord, but zealous to the point of putting his foot in his mouth, zealous to the point of failure, again and again, when he thought nothing would stand between him and his Savior, He denied him three times. And I want to tell you that that's happened in my life as well. I can't tell you of God's goodness without mentioning my weakness. And I have failed the Lord many times. To my shame and to my detriment. I've pursued things that weren't his will. And I've fought and I've kicked against the goads. And I've pushed and I've pushed from my way. And just like Peter did, I went back to my fish. I went back to the boat. I went back to the place where I felt comfortable. And the Lord had to deal with me. And I can tell you it's not pleasant. The chastening of the Lord is not a pleasant thing. It's not a happy and comfortable thing, but the fruit of it is worth it. So if you're a young man or young woman today who's growing in the Lord and you're feeling as if you're far from Him and you're fighting and fighting and fighting, my answer to you is yield because you don't want to learn the hard way. You don't want to go that long hard way back to the Lord but I can tell you regardless of what you choose if you're his he will bring you back and he'll do so with a loving hand and you'll love him more at the end of it than you did at the beginning because you'll know him and his voice and his sound you'll know your shepherd and you'll love him all the more and through all of this I went through times of great depression of suicidality of anger at God. I was kicked out of ministry in the church. I was as far away as you could guess. If you'd met me at that time of my lowest point, the fact that I could belong to Christ would be an afterthought in your mind. You'd think I belong in a homeless shelter. But that's not the end of the story because of the grace of God. Do we understand this? The Lord is able to work in people who may seem to you in this moment to be as far off as far off gets. The Lord can work in them. And what makes the difference is that in my heart and in the heart of many I've met who've been through times like these, there was still that spark and that flame, that little bit of love for the Lord, that little bit of guilt and that desire to want to restore what was once there. And the Lord was able and is able and has done it for me. The Lord brought me back from another country to this place. Lord brought me back from aspirations of a million-dollar career to humble means. He brought me a wife, He brought me a daughter, and He brought me this church. I'd always thought I would be in the church I was at for the first ten years of my walk with the Lord. But there was something missing. There was something that while many there were blessed tremendously, and God is absolutely at work there, the Lord's doing wonderful things in that place, it was not where the Lord had called me and my wife. As we sat and reflected and prayed, there was something within us that desired to have a church that stood by the things this church stands by. Separation unto God, holiness, the work of the Spirit in its right place, and the belief that God is able to revive not only individuals, but churches. We found this place was indeed separated unto the gospel. And that made all the difference in the world for us. Because the things we were chastised for, the things we had to fight for, the things that we thought were going to be matters of debate for years to come, were agreements when we walked in this place. This church, I can tell you to encourage you, It's one that has not departed from the ancient paths, and it's a good thing. There may be numbers in other places. There may be many who go off to other churches seeking something better, but I can tell you what is here is timeless. What is here is glorious, and God is doing a great work in this place. And so in this time, in this church, my heart was not to jump in full-fledged and, and to go back into service like I had in the other church, not to rush in and, and, and do anything in particular, but was just to trust the Lord. And I, I told the Lord, I'm not going to move until you move for me. And I waited. And Rebecca and I prayed and waited. And over time, the Lord began to open doors for ministry. Rebecca and I, we, we led the Behind the Walls children, Children's Ministry through video. And then the Lord blessed me to work with Brother Ed with the young adults. And then you, my family in Christ, you somehow thought I was suitable to be a deacon. And I'm here today because of that grace and that goodness. And so I thank the Lord for working in your hearts and in my heart towards you that we can love each other the way we do. And I'm thankful for every one of you who belong to Christ in this place. You mean the world to me. You're the reason I'm standing here. And... In the course of all of this, the Lord provided opportunities for pulpit supply. He provided opportunities to share the word with his people and to serve his people in many different ways. And what grew in me was a love for his people, a burden for his people. I thought only existed in a doctor-patient relationship or in a husband-wife relationship where the words that I spoke mattered. But I found that in this pulpit, in the young adult class, on behind the wall, given the word of God in my hands and my mouth, the Lord was working in a way I never expected or understood. And it was one night during the week of prayer this January when the Lord confirmed the thing that we'd gone back and forth on for almost 16 years. He confirmed to me the calling that had been up and down, up and down for 16 years of my life, that I was to go forth for him and be a preacher of the gospel. It took maturing, it took humbling, it took failure after failure after failure, and I'm still not there, but he's called me. And I believe that for each one of you here who's been praying about this, he's answered your prayers in some way, shape or form for young men to come up and wanna serve the Lord as ministers. So glory to his name for that. The way he showed this to me was when I came home after that prayer meeting, having spoken to pastor, I sat down with the word, and I used the daily devotional. So it's a good, it's a good tool to be using. And the readings that day were as follows. Isaiah chapter 6, specifically verses 7 to 8, the word of God says, thine iniquity is taken away, And thy sin purged, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I had struggled tremendously from the moment I first felt called to the Lord till today with the fact that I'm not perfect. I wanted to be perfect, I want to be the best. You know, I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to be perfect for the Lord. I want to love Him like no one else ever loved Him because He's worthy, right? But there's always been that reality that we each face every day that what I give to the Lord is minuscule in comparison to what He's worthy of. And that feeling of your own iniquity and your weakness can weigh you down, it can draw you down, and it can cause doubts to flurry through your mind Every day, all day. Whether you're a good enough husband or wife, whether you're a good enough servant or parent, whatever it might be, none of us are sufficient for the tasks that God's given us. None of us. But he's able. And he's good. And this verse showed it to me that mine iniquity is taken away and my sin is purged. I didn't take it away. I didn't purge it, but the Lord did. And his work is his work. It's not mine to do. And he says... Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I'm not going for me. I'm not called to serve me. I'm called to serve and preach the word of God for the Lord. And that was all I needed to hear. That comforted me and gave me peace, and that word where it says, here am I, send me. That was enough to encourage me and let me know in that moment the Lord was saying, it's time to go. But then Seconds later, the doubts crept up again. So I switched over to the New Testament readings after I'd completed the readings in Isaiah. And Mark 1, verse 15 says, The time is fulfilled. Like a ton of bricks smack in the face, there it was. The time is fulfilled. And I broke down right then and there, knowing it was time. I didn't want it to be time. I still don't want it to be the time in my flesh because this is the first time in my life there's stability, financially, in relationships. I'm a parent for the first time, but the Lord has called me to something different. The same way Peter had that full net of fish, it was when the Lord told him to come and follow me that all that bounty that he had, he dropped and followed him. And this is my joy to say that. And I began to become weary but then I read, I was reminded of a passage I'd read the day before in Psalm 9 where it says, For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Though there may be troubles along the road, though it may be difficult and hard at every step, he will not forsake me. And that is my encouragement. That is my hope. And that's how the Lord called me to the ministry. From then By God's grace, I've had meetings with the elders, meetings with the deacons, to tell them of the work of God in my life. And as the Lord leads, there'll be next steps, and I hope and I pray to be studying in seminary this September. But may God be glorified, and may he lead the path. But all this being said, I want to turn to the devotional time and turn this around to you, to encourage you of what the Lord's doing in this church and what I've seen in the four years, in the three years of, I think four years, three years we've been here? Four years. The four years we've been here, um, I want to testify of the goodness of God that I've seen here and the word of God that I believe applies to this place to encourage you. First, I want to turn to 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 16 to 18. I want to tell you that this church has a sure foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 16, with the words, Ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, for I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Can this verse not encourage you that this church is doing the right thing? We've chosen in doctrine to be separate from the world around us, to be separate from compromised Christianity, to be separate from the contemporary Christian music and society that's out there, the movies, the TV shows, the Pure is the, the Transformation churches, the Joel Osteen's of this world. We've chosen to come out from among them and be separate. And that's not it. Because we've done that, there's promises we see in this word. Because the commandment came from the Lord. It says, say it the Lord. And his promise is that he will be a father unto us And we shall be his sons and daughters. And he says this as the Lord Almighty. I want to encourage you that this is indeed a place where you can grow as a Christian. Where you can come to know him and love him. And that his sons and daughters will grow in this place and be in this place. There's no need to be afraid, no need to fear. Though we don't have the numbers, the appearance, and the values of certain other churches who value the music or value the welcoming nature or value the feelings of being in church, by separating ourselves unto the Lord, there is a promise that he'll be with us. He'll be a father unto us, and we will grow as sons and daughters in this place. So please, don't back down. Don't be afraid, for this is the Lord's will in this church and in our lives. Secondly, I want to show you that God is at work in restoration in this place. Isaiah 58. You can turn to Isaiah 58. Beginning with verse 12. Actually, let's begin with verse 11. Um, Isaiah 58, verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and shall satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee, shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of paths to dwell in, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, not finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Amen. This is a promise to God's people that when we honor him, set apart his day, this day today, this Lord's Day, unto the Lord. We dedicate ourselves to something that nobody else really is dedicating themselves to. Even churches who celebrate the Lord's Day on Sundays, they don't do what this verse says, where it says, you'll speak not your own words and do not your own ways, nor find your own pleasure. But this place has set apart the Lord's Day as holy. And this is a sign of the heart of this church to be separate unto the Lord. And the encouragement is, if you read verse 12, it says, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. This church may not look like it did 20 years ago. There may be empty seats where there weren't empty seats before. But there is a promise here that as we honor the Lord in this place, as we seek him, In glory, and we seek to honor him as worthy of our sacrifice, of our time, of our pleasure, of our efforts, that there is blessing that will come. The places that seem to be destroyed, the hope of this church being revived that seems to be destroyed in the flesh will be built up because the Lord has said so. He says, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. That means the repairer of a wall that's about to break. And the restorer of paths to dwell in. I believe, based on the word of God, that there is a promise on this place. As we dwell in righteousness, as we dwell according to his word, as we go forward according to these principles that we believe in as a church, there will be blessing, there will be revival, there will be restoration because of the last words in this chapter where it says, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Is there a more sure promise than this? Is there? If the Lord has spoken it, it will come to pass. And it may take patience. And we may not get there in this generation perhaps. But the Lord is able and willing to do this. And there will be revival. Thirdly, I want to show you that God is also at work in this church. In the backslidden and fallen away. I want to remind you of the promise that's in Malachi chapter 4. In verse 6, beginning in verse 5 of Malachi chapter 4, where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the children of the uh, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. There was a promise that with the coming of John the Baptist, before the coming of Christ, for the first time, that the Lord would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. And I believe that's true again in these days approaching the second coming of our Lord. That the Lord is able to turn families around that were once broken. Unbeliever, unbelieving children who once walked away, the Lord's able to do so. And my prayer is that, that we would know that and believe that in our hearts, that there is no soul too far gone for the Lord. Jesus saves. From the uttermost to the guttermost, Jesus saves. And I believe that as we walk together in the Lord, as we pray and trust Him, He's able to save your unsaved loved ones. He's able to bring you to a point where you're able to share that word and share with them the beauty and glory of your Redeemer. To tell them how good Jesus is, that he is your beloved, that he's altogether lovely. And tell them how wonderful he's been to you. And I believe the Lord's able to work in us as as a congregation, as a family, to see those we love saved. Because this word is powerful. The good news we have is more powerful than psychology. It's more powerful than the comforts of this life. It is more real and more comfortable than the breath we breathe. And it is a confidence for us to know the Lord's at work. And I pray you'd be encouraged with this. And lastly, I want to say to you that there is a hope we have as a congregation. This is found in John 16 and verse 22. In John 16, verse 22, it says, And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Every Wednesday night, we come to pray. Every Sunday morning, we come to pray. And there are troubles on the list of prayers. Individuals who are sick, who are weak, In our own lives, we see troubles and tribulations. We see difficulty. We see hardship. And we have every reason in the flesh to be discouraged, don't we? If you look at things as they are, you have every reason to be sad, every reason to be overwhelmed. Some of us here are away from family on their own in this church. Some of us are going through a difficult time where the loved one they want to be closest to isn't sitting next to them because of illness, because of difficulty. Some of us here are going through physical hardships they've never even mentioned out loud to somebody else. And the Lord knows this. And while, yes, here he's speaking to his apostles, how true is this to our souls today that ye now have sorrow? Yes, we do. We do have every reason in the flesh to sorrow, to be overwhelmed, to be burdened. It is a hard life. But Jesus says, I will see you again. do you believe this? That you'll see Jesus face to face if you're a Christian. All the difficulty and hardship of this life, when it ends, will result with you opening your eyes to see the one you've loved and prayed for and sought after with all your heart face to face. And he says, I'll see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. Those circumstances of this life take joy from you. Though difficult times, though illness, though hardship takes these joys from us, when we see him, when we see Jesus, nothing will take that joy away. This is our hope. This is why we show up to church every Sunday because we know that while we serve here temporarily, we are but sojourners and strangers in this land. And where we're going, we're going to see Jesus. He says in his word, that you'll have trouble in this world, yes? But take heart, for he's overcome the world. Now, all this being said, I hope this act is an encouragement to bless you all and to encourage you of the work I believe God's doing in this place. I just want to close this time by asking you to pray for me and my family with all that I've brought up. You know, while this is a time, I hope of great encouragement and blessing for you to see what the Lord's doing in my life, I have to acknowledge that there are other things the Lord showed me from his word. What it says in Acts 9 and verse 16, he said, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There will be hardship ahead for me and my family. There will be financial, there will be spiritual attacks, there will be hardship on our road, and we need your prayer. That we might love the Lord and be steadfast and cling to him. My hope and my heart is knowing that I'm not perfect, but the Lord is good. The Lord is able to help and sustain and care for my family. I need you to join with us in prayer, please. The Bible tells us in James 3, verses 1 and 2, Brethren, be not many teachers or masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. There will be times where I'll offend you, where I'll, I'll, I'll come off wrong, I'll make mistakes, and I need God's grace, and I need your grace and love. I pray the Lord will work in us as a family to bless us in this way. But my hope at the end of the day is this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. And indeed, in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, where it says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And that is why I'm standing here, because of this verse. Because I know that while there is a hard road ahead of me, and I don't want to be here right now, I don't want to put myself out there like this. I don't want to tell you about this in my flesh. The Lord has called me. And what I'm coming out here to say is I want to pursue that crown. I want to pursue him and serve him, and love you all, and whatever church the Lord will place me in in due time with all of my heart. But the road ahead is long, and we need prayer. And I pray that the Lord blesses all of you tonight, and thank you for giving me this time. Pastor, thank you.
0: Thank you, Brother Siman. What a blessing to hear the testimony of what God has been doing in your life tonight. And friends, we have heard the appeal, the plea from the heart of our brother that we will pray for him. This is an answer to prayer from this very congregation. We have been asking the Lord to raise up men called of God to go into his service. We've been praying that prayer across our denomination. And when the Lord comes to bring it home to us, it is an extra special encouragement and blessing. And so uh, we want to continue and hold up a brother and his family, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead them step by step through. There are many uncertainties in the road in front. And the Lord does not show us the next steps or the 10 steps down the road, but he shows us only the next step we are to take by faith. And that's where the trust comes in of walking in that way. So, uh, brother, thank you for the testimony tonight. We assured of our prayers with you. We're going to close our service with number 243. 243, let's stand, please, as we sing, Come Thou Fount." of every blessing. Before we do, it may be that even from the testimony of our brother tonight that God has been speaking uh, to your heart. He has been touching you about some aspect of service, some part of full-time service, maybe something about giving more unto the Lord, whatever that might be. Well, right where you're standing now, Offer that prayer of submission of heart and of a determination to say, Lord, I want my life to count for Jesus. Because you know, at the end of the day, it's only what is done for Christ that will last. Our loving God, we rejoice tonight of the privilege of hearing the testimony of our brother and of the work that has been done Happening in his own heart. We're thankful for him, for the ministry in our congregation, thankful for his wife Rebecca, for their little one Evelyn. We pray, Lord, a mighty blessing upon them. We ask for divine direction to make the crooked ways straight and the rough places plain. And that our brother and sister would know the daily anointing, the blessing, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon them to guide every step of the way. Lord, give them much grace because we know there will be challenges, there will be trials, there will be heavy and hard days. And yet with Christ in the vessel of our lives, we can smile at the storm of opposition and turn our face toward the wind and pray, Lord, Go in front of us and strengthen us with might in the inner man. And so, Lord, hear this prayer tonight, we ask. Part us now in thy fear, with thy rich and mighty blessing. Go in front of us for every step of our week. And, Lord, may the name of our blessed Savior be glorified in all, who we ask in his precious name. Amen.